If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of James, the book of James chapter 1. We've been taking James verse by verse, and we pick up this morning where we left off last week, namely in verse 22, but for the sake of gathering a little context on each side, I want to go up to verse 19 as we read together. And we'll go down and read to verse 25. So James chapter 1 and verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. And abundant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, and goes his way, straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty... And continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your presence this morning, we want to ask that you will help us. Lord, we stand in great need today. It could be that many in this room are deceived. And it would be a great triumph over darkness if you would reveal to us just exactly how we stand with you today. It would be a great triumph over darkness today if you would reveal our true spiritual condition to us. Lord, that we may leave this place today knowing that we are truly right with you. Knowing today that our eternity is secure Knowing today that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior and Lord of our lives. Lord, we know that uh, the way that we know that is how we relate to your word. And so we pray for your spirit to come, your very presence. And we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to teach us. We ask you to correct us. We ask you to awaken faith within us and faithfulness to you. For the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. We learned last week that one of the tests of genuine faith is how we relate to the Word of God. Namely, that we relate to the Word of God by being careful or quick to listen to it. We would be slow to speak. We would be slow to anger because our anger, human anger, does not produce the righteous life which God desires. And the way that we're to relate to the word of God that is implanted within us, if we've been brought forth by the word, according to verse 18, the word of God brings forth the people of God and the word of God is then implanted in the people of God. Last Sunday night, we went to Jeremiah chapter 31 in the Old Testament. And we found a unique verse there in verse 33 where God said that the new covenant people of God would have the word not written on tablets of stone, 
outside of them, but they would have the word implanted on their hearts and in their minds. And so the word that brings us forth into spiritual life, the word of truth in the gospel, verse 18, is the word in verse 21 that is implanted within the believer that is to be received, that is to be welcomed and submitted to. It's received like we receive oxygen into our bodies. Oxygen right now is coursing through our bodies, through our bloodstream. And yet we need to take another breath if we're going to continue to sustain life, physical life. It's the same way with the word of God. It's implanted within us and we have a desire for God. We have a desire for the word of God. But like that oxygen, we need to continue to be receiving and welcoming and submitting to the word of God so that we continue to sustain our spiritual life. Or rather that God will continue to sustain our spiritual lives. Now today what we're going to learn is that another way to rightly relate to the word of God is by doing it. As a matter of fact, this is where James is headed all along. But because we have to break it down into preaching blocks and segments of scripture, we had to lead up to this point. But this is where he was headed. Because the true mark of receiving the word of God, the true mark of welcoming the word of God, the true mark of faith is not just receiving, not just welcoming, not just submitting cognitively with our minds, not just giving assent with our lips, but by obedience in our daily lives. And so he says in verse 22, be not, be, be, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, I want to look at two different types of people that are in this text this morning. These two types of people, and the first type of person, I want us to think about in two different ways, okay? So don't get confused now. We're going to talk about one type of person, two different ways. And then the final type of person, the person that we want to be in verse 25, we want to talk about that one last. The first one we're going to call the deceived listener. You heard what I just read in verse 22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. To receive the word of God is to be a doer of the word of God. And the end is a life that will be blessed to the Lord. And certainly, as I mentioned here, that this type of person is the deceived listener. They listen, but they're not changed. They're listening, but they're not transformed. The word of God does not find a resting place in their heart and bring forth fruit of a righteous life that God desires. They're just listening. And of course, we know that James would not be saying here that we should not carefully listen to what the Bible says. That we should not meditate upon it, what it means and prayerfully consider how that we can apply it to our lives. No, he wants us to do that. But what he's warning us against is merely listening to the word. You see, it's, it's, it's very easy for a person today to come and to listen to the word of God being preached, to hear it sung, to hear it prayed, to read it yourselves even, and it not actually find a home in your heart and live out in your life. We have an example of this. For example, if you wanted to turn back with me to the book of Mark, we're studying Mark on Wednesday nights together. And in the book of Mark, we find an instance in Mark chapter 6 of exactly what I'm talking about. 
someone who is listening to the Word of God. And you know, it's even possible that you could get a benefit from listening to God's Word without it actually impacting your life. It's a remarkable thing. And I'll tell you one of the ways that we can see that it's true in American culture. Because of the way we talk about preaching. If a man is able to stand and make you laugh or tell a good story that will move you emotionally, we'll say he's a good preacher. But that's not what the Bible calls good preaching. Good preaching is when a man faithfully exposits what the text says and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good preaching. Preaching is to communicate what God's word says, what it means, and help God's people to apply it to their lives. Good preaching is not, if you go out and you feel good, it's not an indication that you've been changed by God. Because it is very possible to sit and listen to a charismatic speaker, someone who's very winsome with words, and go out feeling like, I feel a little something. I feel a little tingle. Maybe that was a good service. Well, it could have been. Because those things in and of themselves are not wrong to laugh, to be moved emotionally. That's not wrong. But it's not the sole basis of criteria on which you determine whether or not you are hearing and listening to good biblical preaching. Now, you found Mark chapter 6. If you look in verse 20, you'll find a man by the name of Herod. Herod listened to John the Baptist. We could, we could probably say he might have been one of the best preachers, especially in the Lord Jesus' day, in the days of the early disciples. As Jesus came preaching, before that, the forerunner, John the Baptist, came preaching, and Herod listened to John the Baptist preaching. And I want you to notice in this verse that Herod was moved when he heard the preaching of this man of God. He knew that he was a man of God. He knew that he was preaching rightly, but he was not changed. And he did not become a doer of the word, but he remained in rebellion to his creator. Listen to what it says in verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy And observed him. So he watched him. He listened to him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Gladly. And yet if you go on and read the story right after this, because of his own quick to speak mouth, he has John the Baptist beheaded. This man that he knew was a holy man of God. He knew that he was preaching what was right. And yet he was not changed by it. He was not affected, and he did not become a doer of the word, but he was merely listening, and he was able to see something in John the Baptist. He was able to hear something there, as many people do. There are thousands of people today sitting in churches this morning that are deceived listeners. Because all they are doing is merely hearing the words that are formed from a preacher's mouth. And because it's speaking in a language that you are familiar with, you know what the words mean when they come out of his mouth. But the real test is, do they find a resting place in our hearts so that we are transformed and changed to live by them? And so... Merely listening is to be deceived. To be deceived would be to think that simply because you're sitting in this room today and hearing these words that you have the favor of the Lord. 
that you are blessed of the Lord. This is not true as we're going to see when we get to the end of the text. But he says here that this is the deceived listener, verse 22, because if you are not a doer, he says, you are deceiving your own selves. And certainly being deceived here is to be blinded to one's true spiritual reality. To consider yourself to be in a state before God that you are not truly in. Jesus said a very frightening statement one time. He said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? He said, but there will be many in that day that will say unto me, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do all these mighty works in your name. And Jesus said, I will say unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so you can be deceived into thinking that you are right with God when in fact you are not. And the book of James is an excellent book to read if you are concerned about that. (laughs) Because what he does is he holds up these tests. The test of trials, the test of temptations, the test of how you relate to the word of God. And today, the test of whether or not you are doing the word of God. Because the person who possesses a true, genuine faith in God, a person who has been brought forth by the word of truth, have been born again and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that person will be radically changed. That person will become one who was at one point hostile to God, who now loves God. A person who once was not submissive to the word of God, that now loves God and is submissive to the word of God and welcomes the word of God. And the word of God is the delight for them to hear and the delight for them to do. That's the test that James is holding up before us. Now, the way that he does this in verses 23 and 24 is he gives us an illustration. This deceived listener now turns to the superficial hearer. (laughs) I said I want to talk about the first person, the first type in two ways. First, he was a deceived listener. Because he's merely listening. Now we want to think about in in terms of the superficial hearer. Let's look at verse 23 and 24. For, so here's what he's saying. If a man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and forgets what manner of man he was. In other words, the effect of the word of God is simply limited to the sense of hearing. I was thinking, you know, about a person who could, in the morning, and we go, we pass by a mirror, and we might glance at that mirror. We're not really intently gazing at the mirror. It's just a superficial glance at the mirror. And us men, you know, if if we shave or something like that, we may uh, make a nick, or uh, a woman may uh, not blend her makeup in just right, and if she's not carefully, intently looking into what that looks like, may go on their way, not realizing really what manner of person they are. And it's so interesting that James talks about this superficial glance, this casual glance at oneself in a mirror, and he turns it right around and applies it to hearing. 
He says that's the way that a person who hears the word and it's a superficial hearer. Someone who is just the word of God is just limited to the natural sense of hearing. Words are formed. There is a projection of vocal uh, ability and you hear that with your ears and you understand what it's saying, but you're not changed by it. The limited effect is just limited to the sense of hearing. And so he's not transformed. It doesn't bring forth a life of obedience to the word of God. It's just like water running through a pipe. That's the way a lot of people read the Bible. If you say, you know, I read the Bible, but I really don't get anything out of it. Slow down. You're reading it too fast. You're trying to say, okay, God, and this is what a lot of people do. I see you looking at me. This is the way a lot of people do a preacher. You come in here and you say, okay, I'm here. Do it. Give me what you got. Oh, that wasn't that good. I already knew all that stuff. But what we need to be doing is we need to not be the superficial hearer. We need to be a person who is listening to the word of God and not just at a casual glance, not just as a superficial hearing like water running through a pipe that just passes in one side and out the other, but one who is engaged in the word of God. That's the reason I want to see you carrying your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Open it up. Read the text with me. Think about the words. Think about the phrases. This is a book. God has revealed himself in words. And the way that we're going to get the nuggets out of there is not by putting it on top of our heads and hoping that it will seep through our thick skull, but it is by opening it up and digging for it like we're trying to find hidden treasure. To actively engage our minds in the Word of God. I was riding around the other day on my lawnmower and uh, had my headphones on. I'm driving along and I don't know how long I was doing this, but I started looking around at the grass and I had these lines, you know, where my tires had been, but nothing was cut. And so I looked down at the lever that engages the blade and guess what? It wasn't engaged. And so I pushed the blade down, engaged that blade, and I started cutting grass. Friend, you need to engage your mind in the Word of God. You need to be active listeners. Is what I'm saying true according to the Bible? What is James going for? What is he shooting for? What is his aim? How does this affect me? Is this for me? Is this a promise I need to receive and claim? Is this a command I need to obey? Is this a warning I need to heed? Ask questions of the Bible when you read it. When you hear it preached. I want you to come to me and say, explain that a little further. Because it shows me that your mind is not like I was. (laughs) Just driving over the grass. Just letting the word float around and you happen to hear it. But your mind and your heart is not actively engaged in what it has to say. He says in these verses about the superficial hearer that he's a forgetful hearer. And it's very possible that this man, this woman, is a forgetful hearer on purpose. You know, we have this... Awesome ability that is not really awesome. But we can be listening and not listening. Now you husbands, look up here. Is this not true? Or should I have said your wives, the wives? 
How many of you men ever had your wife say you're not listening to her? You ever had that happen? Oh, you're too. Oh, come on. I will. You didn't listen to a thing I said. I, I, I was listening. But we do have that ability. I could turn the table on the children in here and say, you children, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this to my parents when I was growing up. And I could do this to a teacher. I've got, we got some teachers in here. You can be standing there and you're teaching and that student looks like they're listening. That child looks like they're taking in everything you say. But guess what? They didn't hear a word you just said. We have to be actively engaged in the word of God. We have to pursue God because he has given us this word, which is the lifeblood of our spiritual life. It is the oxygen of our spiritual life. The word of God is what we live on. The way we live a life that is pleasing to the Lord is when we continue to receive the implanted word that is able to save our souls. Now, I've ran out of time because we have a celebration of the Lord's Supper to have, and I'm not even close to being finished. But here's what I'm going to do. You can come back tonight if you want, but I'm going to jump over to verse 25, and I just want us to look real briefly at this last person. I think you already know who he is. He is what we'll call the persevering doer, the persevering doer. But who so looks into intently, this is not a casual glance. This is not a superficial glance. This is not a passing by of the mirror or the passing through of sound waves into your ears. This is an intentional, intent look and gaze into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, the law that gives freedom and perseveres or continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. In his deed. You want to thrive as a child of God. Do what it says. I don't know why. I'm not enjoying my Christian life. Do what it says. You know. The perfect law of liberty. How can a law give freedom? You ever thought about that? We usually think of law as something that constrains us. Right? Not as rules constrain. I feel boxed in. Well, I want you to think about it like this. In order for you to truly experience freedom, it's not the freedom to do what you want to do based on your humanistic mind and your humanistic emotions that that whatever you desire to do at the time, that's not true freedom. True freedom is to live out your life in the context or the framework in which God Almighty has designed for you to live. If you step outside of that framework and disobey that, the commands and the laws of the Lord that are given for your good and not for your harm, you will not experience life like you really want to experience it. I'll give you an example. If you take a fish and put it in a tree and you take a bird and put it in the sea, you will not see freedom. You will see what? Death. But if you take that bird and you put it in a tree and you take that fish and put it in the sea, you will see freedom. You will see the freedom of a creation of God to thrive and live and enjoy that life to the fullest. And you and I, my friends, have a framework. And that framework for living and thriving is inside of the parameters of the word of God. If you will stay inside of the word of God, you will live and you will enjoy your life to the fullest. But if you step outside of that parameter, 
And you persist on in disobedience and rebellion against your creator who designed and purposed you to thrive and live within the parameters of his word, you will die. So as we go to the Lord's table and as we celebrate what Jesus accomplished on the cross, I want you to know that what Jesus accomplished on that cross, one of the things that he accomplished was to give us this word and to implant it in our hearts and our minds and to give us the ability to live it out in our everyday lives. This is a gift from God that was purchased. This was a gift of God that was secured on the cross of Calvary. Can you celebrate that? That's what I want you to do as we come to the Lord's table. Let's praise. The deacons come. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your infallible and errant inspired word. Lord, we know at times that we all in this room are guilty and have been guilty of trying to live out our lives, trying to seek our freedom, trying to seek our joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction and pleasure outside of the parameters of your word. And we've tried to say, no, God, we know better. We know best. But, oh, I pray that you'll help us today. And many of us today will, at this very moment, say that we repent of those things and those times. And we say to you, forgive us, cleanse us, and restore us. Help us, oh God, to receive the implanted word like oxygen sustains our physical life. May we receive the implanted word daily, moment by moment, that it may nourish our spiritual life. That we may truly live out a life of faith and faithfulness to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.